Welcome to the Called Forward Podcast, a production of Family Church in Douglas County, Oregon. This is a place for disciples of Christ to discuss the real challenges of living out our faith, loving well, and being people helping people find and follow Jesus in a difficult world. I'm your host, Crystal Cunningham, and today we have with us Family Church staff members Paul Glazner and Will Irwin discussing the real challenge of facing fear. Before we get serious, guys, I want to know the time that you can remember that you have been the most afraid, hopefully comically. Like, I don't know. I don't want to know how, <laughs> how serious. Try to keep it comical. <laughs> well, two things immediately come to mind. One of them is more serious than the other, but it was on my, I think it was my 18th birthday. Uh, I lived over at the coast in Coos Bay, and so you got to do whatever you want to do for your birthday. So we went to this, uh, there's a series of falls called Golden and Silver Falls. Mm-hmm. They're about half a mile from each other, whatever. And so we went to this beautiful falls and we were always into rock climbing. So I decided I was going to climb up beside the waterfall. And so we're climbing up and it's wet and there's moss growing. And I get about probably 45, 50 feet up on this rock face and I can't go any further. (laughs) And, And I'm looking down and, uh, Going down is harder than going up if you've never done any rock climbing. And I thought, I can't get down. I can't get up. I'm going to die at 18. And I I have a pretty uh, low fear, high risk level. And so I, I didn't very often get to that place where it's like, oh, this is going to go really badly. And uh, I managed to climb all the way to the top after having no other options. And I get up there and there's a nice path that leads all the way to the other falls. <laughs> so I came down the path. That's anticlimactic. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been better if you lost a pinky somewhere I in that did, story. I didn't die. Right? So I was thinking of not a time necessarily when I was at the greatest fear, but the time when I brought a great deal of fear. Uh, I was hanging out with a group of friends, and uh, we decided to scare one of our friends' little sisters who was there probably at one or two in the morning watching whatever movie they were watching, but they were there. We didn't know that they were watching some suspense horror movie, and so like first we set the suspense by... like making tapping noises on the window and like just doing stuff around the house making noises and and then finally r- running from all different sides of the house into the house every door entrance was just screaming and totally freaking them out it was a great moment yeah so, so that was the time that you brought fear right yeah i couldn't think of, i think i have a similar one with climbing yeah. you know where actually it was with you um and I, that was one of those i think i learned there and going up is easier than coming down like oh this is i don't know what i can do now so yeah I was thinking of a funny one, Jeremy, when he, he said that he uh, had heard all this hype and this build-up to Y2K, you know, when 1999 turned to a 2000, and so they were at this big party, and he, he and his friend waited till midnight, and they went down to the basement, <laughs> and they hit the circuit breakers and shut everybody's power oh, off. that's awesome. <laughs> everybody screamed. That was good. Yeah. Gave a little panic. That's funny. When I first, um, the first summer I was married to my husband, we lived with his father-in-law before we went off to college together, and um, his dad which he's inherited this trait this trait yeah <laughs> likes to j- jump out and scare you so uh-huh. like the whole summer his my father-in-law was like jumping out of like closets <laughs> out of, like, and I, I almost have like ptsd when i walk into that old house but like where is it going to come from so i don't know if that's fear as much as it is just being startled but <laughs> so what i'm hearing is it's easier to be the scarer than the scary right yeah and my husband still does that to this day to yeah. all of our family oh, members. we should make a good plan for Cameron. yes, yes. yeah he won't listen to this, hopefully. Yeah, why don't you uh, send us a uh, tweet at us or send us a Facebook message of how we can get Ken. 
Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Since people are listening to this, you can just jump in and help us. Just make a campaign, yeah. Everybody yeah. try it. Um, so, yeah, I, I said keep it light because sometimes uh, there's a lot of things I can think of or I had real fear that it's a, a little emotionally when we start to talk about it. And mm-hmm. right now, I think fear is um, something that's grasping a lot of people with all the uncertainties. So the topic I have for you guys and the challenge that we're going to face into is um, how do you deal with fear, especially in uncertainty? So, How do you deal with it well or how do you deal with it poorly? Oh, <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah, Because um, I think one of my tendencies is to be escapist. I don't like to feel afraid. I don't feel that often. And when it starts coming around, I do whatever it takes to not feel that. And sometimes that's just distracting myself, watching movies or go get involved in a project or do something that's just escapist. Um, and, and and I don't think that's the healthiest way to do it, but that's my natural tendency. Do you reckon, do you, you don't do that consciously, do you? No. Do you, do you no. recognize it now when you're doing it? More or? so. Okay. I think, yeah. Yeah. I think it's just I don't like to feel bad about anything. So, you know, there's a natural kick out in me that says, okay, it's time to go do something else. And yeah. and sometimes it can be helpful in certain situations, but it's often avoidant. That might be a better question to start out with in this conversation is how do you recognize when fear is affecting you or driving you? How about you, Will? Do you Are you able to recognize when fear is becoming a factor? It's funny. When I knew that the topic was fear, the thing that I wrote down is you have to name it. Because I actually think that um, fear works in a nebulous sort of cloud around you. And you don't if you don't say, what is it I'm afraid will happen? I don't know that you can ever really process through the pain of fear. And I think it's important to call fear painful because mm. I think it is painful. But to acknowledge, I am afraid that this person will die. I am afraid that this relationship will break. I am afraid of what they will think of me. And by, by naming it, it takes some, it, I think it loses some of the, the cryptic nature of fear that I don't know how to handle this. Well, I don't even know what I'm handling. Mm-hmm. And the moment I name it, suddenly I can say, I will begin to process this. So can, that's a, a, an important beginning for me. Can you elaborate? You said a statement in there, and I think you started to explain it, but that fear is painful. Yeah, I think that um, if we don't acknowledge that my emotional concern about something that may happen is sometimes as painful as the thing happening. And just just to, to give an analogy of this, or yeah, definitely an analogy of this, is if you've ever been thinking about a, an appointment that you were worried about, dentist, I remember being worried about getting my braces on um, when I was 12, there was a greater anxiety and there was more actual pain in going from the moment I knew I had to have braces to the moment I actually had them put on. There was more actual pain that I felt than putting them on and wearing them for the 11 months. That's right. You heard me. I only had them on for 11 months. <laughs> Some people are like, what? I had 11 years. Um, but that amount of time spent in that. And so like, if you don't acknowledge, I think sometimes fear might be the greatest enemy because uh, you're actually fighting a battle you can't win because you're not really overcoming anything. You're, it's mm-hmm. simply a thing that you're thinking about that's in the future. The actual task of having the braces put on or going through the actual thing happening sometimes at least I have something to put my hands to. At least I have something that I'm feeling actual something going on to my teeth. There's something to show for it. But worry and anxiety and... The anticipation of what can mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. That's a good... Yeah, it's, it's the what-if game. Yeah. Is there a time that you can identify that was where fear... A serious time where fear was gripping you and affecting your life? Well, I think um, since my identity is often tied to how much I can accomplish and mm-hmm. certainly has gotten to be welded to my position as a pastor and as a leader and whatever, um, 
I've shared about that time in 2006 when I didn't know if I was going to stay here at Family Church. And mm-hmm. I remember walking around after that painful meeting where all my failures were discussed and looking at a, a building project that wasn't finished, like a big, we had the new auditorium had walls and a roof on it, but that was all. It was just studs and thinking, has it all come to this? And just feeling like that sense of my the rest of my life is going to be a series of things never really happened right. And I mm-hmm. left it all unfinished. And I didn't, just that kind of that dread of losing everything, really. Right. That's huge. What about you, Crystal? Well, I was thinking the one that came to mind first um, was when I, I had a very close person in my life who has been like a parental figure who was diagnosed with a very serious form of cancer. Mm. And it was, I, I thought from what I knew of it and, and the journey that there was more than good chance that that would be the end of their life. But what I was thinking in that is that I, I really did take the avoidant route. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just didn't deal with it. And sometimes now I, that, that particular situation turned out where that person's life is still going. And it's amazing. But like, I feel like I avoided the journey of going through that with them. Cause I just busied myself. It. I just didn't acknowledge that I was afraid to lose them. But I think that was one where it was, it was, it went on for a year and it was so unknown I think that um, mine is more topical than the spe- more than in the specifics. For me, um, I would say that I've felt more where fear can surround having children. Mm. Like what what life will they have? Uh, and I I feel like that's where fear works. Is fear works in the corners. I was just saying about you know it was the anxiety leading up to the braces, then the actual when I got to put my hands to it. And when I think about my life. And the things that I can have my hands on and control, I don't have as much anxiety or worry. But, you know, at some point, my children will be old enough to step out and have their own decisions. And their decisions are their decisions. And I can't control that. Mm. I can influence as best I can, but I can't control that. And so that I think that um, in life, I think that's a place of concern. That's huge, yeah. So can I ask a, a question? Yeah, I've heard this recently, and maybe one of you have heard it as well. Can any of you define the difference between fear and anxiety? Because I heard a great definition. One of them is an actual imminent thing happening, and the other one is this more than nebulous, I think. Yeah. Do you know? Do you, anyone remember? Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know if I'm getting it correct exactly, but fear is something that actually can happen or is happening. Anxiety is the fear of something that's that's not there. But it's sometimes possible. it's a floating it's kind of yeah. all like society might collapse. It's just a vague kind of yeah. overall instead of I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to pay this next month's bill kind of. Right. And, and, and you look at your checkbook and sure enough. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good fear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Odds are pretty good or you know, you're driving at 104 miles an hour. There, if you're afraid, that's probably a good thing to be afraid of. Yeah. yeah, I think where it gets confused, though, is like where even taking the children example where there's that. I think that's more of an anxiety of all the things that could happen that you mm-hmm. would not want. But it's not imminent that that would happen, but it could. I have a good example. A, a guy that was very quiet about it to begin with, and he began to share with me his journey. And, and he told me that he couldn't go on one of the events that our church did. And I thought, why not? It just didn't make any sense at all. And he didn't want to tell me. And later he told me, everywhere I go, I am calculating how long it would take to get to the hospital in case something happened. And I couldn't even conceive of somebody who had so much of their mental energies 
focused on this vague sense of what might happen. And I'm more the practical. It's like you can only die one way. So it's like why worry about 40 oh, ways? No. Paul, there's lots of ways to die. I know, but you can actually only die one way. <laughs> oh, you only get one shot at it. Right. That's a good point. That cat of nine lives thing really throws out a door, doesn't it? Can we go back to something you said, the, the perpetual game of what if? I thought Pastor Ed has a great response to that. And essentially it's the what if, well, then what then game. Yeah. So every question of what if... And I think this, I know we were, we were distinguishing, delineating between fear and anxiety, and they're so close, but I think a lot of the battle is in, in anxiety as much as fear. And this really fits in that where you're saying, what if this happens? And then the response is, well, what then? And, and so the, the simple premise, and I'll do this quickly, um, what if I lose my job? And then the question, well, what then? Well, then I don't have any money. Well, what then? Uh, well, then I can't eat. Well, what then? Well, then I'll die of starvation. Well, what then? I guess I'll be in heaven. Okay, so you win. That's great. <laughs> and and there, that, that idea of if you're a follower of Jesus, how much mental acumen is going towards this anxiety of how far am I from the hospital, when in the end, if you don't make it to the hospital, you end up in heaven. I was also thinking about that story of that guy. That guy has a lot of faith in a hospital. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he has a really high view of hospitals. <laughs> he got to love the world that he sent a hospital. Yeah. I've, I've heard you say that before, and I think it makes a lot of sense to me about playing that out all the way to the end. But I've come to realize that is something that maybe one personality can handle using that as a, as a mechanism. Good Why? point. In some ways, you could die would be awesome. Like you're preaching a great <laughs> sermon. You just finish with the gospel, and then and you have a heart attack and die right there. I had, a, every- <laughs> I had a friend in college that was like this, more, more the, the mindset that we're talking about. Where you know, like, and so he'd ask questions like, would you rather die from like a bear attack or like piranhas or die in your sleep? And, and be like, ah, I'm going to die in my sleep. And he's like, no way, I'd take the bear. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, because you can like just match up and say, hey, bring it. I got all, this is all I got. Come on, bear. Come and get me. All right. It'll make a great story. Right. Yeah. Someone else will tell it, but it'll be a great, great story. I felt bad for your poor congregation. <laughs> the way you went all Suddenly the gospel got lost there. I don't know if you realized it was not about Jesus that afternoon. Yeah. Um, so I want to know, we talked about acknowledging fear. So what do you guys do when you acknowledge fear? What's your personal, not like the, the sermon that you guys are, have to share with everybody else, but what, what do you do when you acknowledge fear in your own life? Um, I, I go back to where I'm avoidant. So mm-hmm. usually it finally comes when I'm feeling tension and stress. And and usually it has to be when I finally get alone with God and spend some time and say, what is going on? And and I, I find myself less resistant now. But I used to be such a hard thing to unpack. It was like admitting I was afraid was a complete lo- loss. You know, it was like I must be some kind of a terrible loser to be afraid, I, so I think it also probably revealed that there was a lot of pride in that that I don't that I'm an adventurous and not afraid kind of person. But um, honestly, it's it's usually after a big buildup of stress and then trying to find some peace and coming. But how to do God. you find the peace? Do you? I mean, do you go to somebody? Do you journal? Do you? Um, mostly, it's just prayer. I just really get with that in mind. Lord, what is going on? What's in my heart? And letting yeah. God kind of show me. Yeah. Because I think it is peeling layers off in yeah. that I'm avoiding feeling those things. Right. How about you, Will? Uh, so for me, 90% of the battle is naming it. Mm. So that's the beginning. The other thing that I've been um, doing is, so there's a little bit of the prayer life, but then I'm kind of doing um, prayer through what I've memorized in Scripture, but doing it differently. So like, the Lord. Okay, he's Lord. 
He's all powerful. I can trust him. Is, not could be, not, he is my, okay, it's my, my shepherd. Mm. I shall not be in want. He makes me like, and I go through that and like, so he's my shepherd. He's not a shepherd that someday could. He's a shepherd. That means he's carrying and, and word by word centering in on, probably should have said that with Psalm 23, <laughs> but the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Just by doing each word and saying, what does that mean and really mean? He is my shepherd. Well, who's shepherd? My shepherd. Not Paul's and I get to see him on Sunday when I get to go be near Paul. No, it's my shepherd. What is a shepherd? A shepherd protects the flock. And you can go through that whole, all six verses of the 23rd Psalm and just one word at a time. What is true? Mm. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. And just one by one, every word. And I find I, I never really make it past verse one and I'm asleep. So <laughs> for me, most fear battles happen. So when I'm go, laying in bed. You dwell on that. You go to that scripture and dwell on that. Mm-hmm. Um, or others. Yeah. Fear, fears are always bigger in the middle of the night, I think. Oh, um, for sure. And, and I was thinking about the psalm you just talked about. And it's pretty honest. It says sometimes it's green pastures and still water. Sometimes it's the valleys, shadows, shadows and deaths. <laughs> and that the journey goes both places and back and forth. And that the point is not where you are on the path, but the... Who you're on the path with? It's funny about that psalm. You see it like all over posters and like mm-hmm. bookmarks and this little pretty like scenery. It's like that shadow of death, like really like yeah. loses its like power in all the the ways I see it. And how do you handle it? Um, you know, big thing is I'm really big on like the capturing the thought and then like putting it at God's feet, kind of similar. Like where I I feel that has been something I've had to learn to do, um, to not let it go and take over. Um, do you visualize when you do that? I do. Like, I do. And I, I first time I admitted that, I felt really silly. But it is something I found that I had to do, especially when it was really something trying to grasp hold. Like, I take that thought and I just throw it. Mm-hmm. And I often think of, of laying it at God's feet because I know that He, whatever it is, I'm not just avoiding it, but, like, I'm trusting him. But I've also found that, for me personally, being connected to others takes away a lot of the emotional strain. Even if I know they can't fix it, but if I can share with someone I know who mm. loves me, mm-hmm. um, even if all they say is, you know, I'm so sorry. Um, for me, that dissipates um, a lot of the stress of it. Just being able to be open and say, I'm really struggling with that. I love what this part, and this is because this is a little, it's not the opposite of pet peeve, but something that I just really love and enjoy is using um, our imaginations when we're praying. And even before you said that you picture it, you mm-hmm. had already said at the feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like you, By doing that, we immediately pictured feet and just think about um, the armor of God or yeah. the 23rd Psalm. The shepherd, that entire thing, those are all visuals. And so when we start thinking in prayer life in terms of visuals like that, I think it is just such a powerful way to combat this. Right. I have a question. Do you, yeah. you want to add anything to that, that? Well, I was just going to agree with Crystal. I think um, I've recently, over the last couple of months, started walking with a friend who really listens to me. And uh, it's funny because I realized inside myself there's kind of a, I don't want to take your time. Um, this is not that important because it's not often at a 10 level. It's yeah. at a 4 level. But when you're walking... You have time. And so either you're talking or I'm talking. And I found myself sharing things that I didn't even realize were in there sometimes. Yeah. And uh, and to be heard and to be affirmed and to be prayed for, it man, it just really reduces the power of those things to control you. And it, yeah. it, you know, I think sometimes we use the word process it, but we don't even know what we're talking about. That does help process anxiety and fear and those things for me. Yeah, that's good. That's exactly what I, mm-hmm. I feel. So I had a realization when we were t- when we were laying this out that I think would be an important thing to acknowledge. So Paul, you and I specifically, and Crystal, you spend time in front of people. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, how fearful are you of public speaking? <laughs> Not at all. Yeah, zero. Right. Pretty much all three of us 
It's it's a really low thing. There are people, and I, I'll just go back to Jerry Seinfeld had this great line. He talked about <laughs> the two greatest fears. Number one is public speaking. Number two is death, which means <laughs> at a funeral, people would rather be in the casket than having to give the eulogy. And that's like a powerful thing to think about, that the three of us may not have any fear of of this specific thing. There are people that are terrified of something that we are not. And I think an important thing about fear is to honor the fear of others. Mm. Mm. Because even if it's not mine, it's still real. And and to honor that feelings um, that people feel that are different than mine, Mm. that's an an important critical aspect of this. That's that's really good because I think it's easy to be kind of critical or dismissive, maybe he's a stronger word, of somebody who's afraid of something and you think, that's ridiculous. Why would you be afraid of that? And uh, and yet if it's a fear we share, then I'll be empathetic. And so anytime somebody is afraid of something that is not my deal, I think we have to move back to saying, okay, it still feels exactly the same to them as the things right. that make me afraid. Yeah. yeah, and isn't that the response? Well, quit it. Oh, you're afraid of that? Well, quit it. Well, that helped. Yeah. So do you th- you guys think that you could name your fear? Like, would you be able to verbalize like what what your greatest fear is? Well, I'll tell you one that caught me totally by surprise, and probably it feeds into one of my greatest fears is to be somehow publicly disgraced. Oh. Yeah. Um, and it was it was a silly thing years ago. They were doing some kind of a fundraiser, and when they did the fundraiser, they had people dressed up almost like police officers, you know, with a uniform or whatever, and they came to arrest you. And then you got put in jail and you had to call people to get pledges, and yeah. it was this whole deal. But it was like there was a moment. They, they said, Paul, there's a policeman out here and he needs to talk to you. And I come out there, and he's looking at me very sternly, and he says, I have to take you in. And all of a sudden, my mind just goes wild with who said what about me and Potiphar's somebody, wife yeah. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah well the first thing I thought of is somebody lied and said I'd done something to a child or you know just yeah. your your brain yeah. just goes wow and I realized that being in Christian leadership in our culture it doesn't even have to be true any kind of an accusation could just blow your world up even if it's a total lie and all of a sudden, I, that wasn't a fear I wrestled with. That wasn't it woke me up in the middle of the night. But man, in that moment, it just went off the charts. And then you feel so stupid because then they're like, "Oh, this is a gag," and we're just it's like, and my heart was like way over here, still trying to deal with this. And, it was intense. And I never told anybody intense. that, but that uncovered a fear that evidently wow. was pretty strong. Wow, thank you for sharing that. What's yours, Crystal? Yeah, it's trying to. Like I said, I really have a hard time digging deep. You know, because I can say a lot of surface stuff. I know that doing something unintentionally that brought great harm. I mean, this is this is <laughs> hard to even say. Like even like accidentally backing over a child because you're going mm-hmm. too quick and you didn't check everything. Yeah. Like um sometimes I feel like I go so fast, but even in kind of a grander scale like not being attentive to like my kids enough that I didn't speak mm-hmm. into them or mm-hmm. I didn't train them closely enough because I was going too fast in life. I mean, that's yeah. that's kind of a big picture fear, but that's definitely hurting others as a fear of mine. Yeah. Uh, I have fears when I have a perceived future that is coming my way that isn't even a reality that I have stand to lose. Um, I, I think that this really ties in when I find myself protecting something that isn't yet mine mm. or protecting my possibility at a position to grab something to, to maneuver because I, I have perceived in my mind that I want that future and I will make it happen. And so I, and then politics start coming in and just life becomes about not losing what's not even mine. <laughs> yeah. Lot, lot, not losing your potential future. Huh? Yeah. Oh, that's a great way to say it. Yeah. And then also anything with my family. 
Uh, what's interesting that you said that I thought was profound is I'm looking at three, not only are we verbally pro- verbal processors, we're also pretty quick in our life. And you said one of your fears is that your personality mm-hmm. will damage something. And I think that's something that I'm also, I don't know if it has to do with fear, but I'm definitely, definitely wrestling with what aspect of me is broken. I agree with what you've already said is that as a single person, a uh, young person, you feel almost bulletproof. Mm-hmm. But Because we were. <laughs> <laughs> but when you get married, when you have children, when you have a ministry of people relying on you, you know, the more I think of it as like there's more surface area for fear to attach to mm-hmm. because there are more, more to lose. That you're more to lose. More to lose. There's yeah. definitely more fear around children than I've ever, ever experienced for myself, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Do you want to add anything else to this before we sign off? No. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you. We'll be back again. Thank you for joining the Called Forward podcast. To listen to episodes weekly, visit our website at calledforward.com or subscribe to the Called Forward podcast at iTunes, Podbean, or your favorite podcast service.